Welcome to Sunday Sessions, Volume 2, Black History Moment, featuring Sailor Art Thomas. Sailor Art Thomas, better known as Arthur Thomas, was born January 30, 1924. He was an American merchant mariner, bodybuilder, and well-known professional wrestler. He died, unfortunately, on March 20, 2003, at the age of 79 of cancer. Debuting in 1943, Thomas was spotted after he was touring with a bodybuilding troupe around the United States by promoter Jimmy Dimitrov. Thomas would usually be introduced as a plant in the crowd dressed in his Navy gear, and then he would oppose the heel's dishonorable tactics during the match. Standing at 6 foot 5 and 275 pounds, Sailor Art Thomas was a gentle giant who parlayed his strongman act into main event status throughout U.S. and Canada and Japan. We thank Sailor Art Thomas for his contributions to professional wrestling. Welcome, 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 everyone. Sunday Sessions is back. I'm your girl, the Joshi Queen Supreme, Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, and thank you for being here for Volume 2 of Sunday Sessions. Sunday Sessions are conversations that evolve around Black wrestlers and our experience because unlike our white counterparts, we have some layered concepts we have to deal with in addition to everything that goes into being a professional wrestler. These conversations are meant to highlight our experiences, to educate others about what we go through, and to give everyone kind of a fishbowl into the lives of a professional wrestlers and what it's like to be us in one of the most beautiful, beautiful arts in the entire world. As I said, I'm Ronnie Big Bang Nicole. I am joined today by the Rev, Ron Hunt, and the King of Tea, Theo Ivory. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you for being here. Um, Ron is actually my vet, so I'm very honored to be joined by him. And Theo and I, we have had limited actual locker room interaction, but one of my best and closest friends. I love you so much. Thank you again for being here. And always big shout out to Michael Sorg, Sorgatron Media. Make sure you're following on my YouTube page and make sure you're following IndieWrestling.us so that you don't miss an episode. And I want to throw it to you guys because it's not The Office like Dunder Mifflin, but we're going to talk about The Office in terms of wrestling. We have all had to deal with it. That's where the business gets done. As Black wrestlers, our experience is sometimes, oftentimes, a lot different. How we're booked into storylines, the angles we get put in, how much our pay is, the negotiation process itself when it comes to bookings, um, the considerations sometimes where some wrestlers will get trans or a hotel and you request the same thing because you're coming from a far distance and for some reason you're denied that. So all of those things go into the experience of dealing with the office. So Theo, I'm going to throw it to you um, because you're a little bit newer in the biz. What has your experience been like thus far in dealing with the office, especially where you are, um, and trying to navigate those waters as a wrestler of color in a changing climate all the time? Uh, Great question. Um, I'm going to be very honest because I feel like if you're in a position of privilege, you have to acknowledge that. My privilege is I'm a lot older than most people are when they start out. I'm in my 30s. Um, So I came into this already with a professional background. Um, I've been in corporate America since I was 20. So I kind of already knew the game. Mm -hmm. So when I came in, I knew how to maneuver in certain avenues, certain spaces. Um, I knew what to say and what not to say if I wanted to get my point across. Whereas our counterparts, they don't have to tread as lightly as we do. Um, So I would say my experience thus far outwardly has been good. But when certain things don't happen, then I have to ask the question, like, is it because I'm Black? Or, like, why am I not getting the same consideration or things like that? Um, So that's the part that sucks for me because I came in with a certain level of wisdom. I just know so much is done behind your back. 
So I, I think a lot of stuff has been done behind my back and they won't say it to me because I'm not a confrontational person, but I also don't take bullshit. Right. And I think people can see that from me. <laughs> They're like, this is not a guy I'm going to be able to bullshit. So I'm just going to ignore him. Right. And I think I get that a lot. And I'm okay with it because you ain't going to piss on my head and tell me it's raining, child. <laughs> but the <laughs> intimation, that, that's my experience. It's, yeah. it's a lot of BS under the rug. But outwardly to my face, it's been fine. Yeah. But there's always that level of what's going on behind the doors I'm not behind. You hear things mm-hmm. through the grapevine, you know, things are mischaracterized. And it's like, well, I've just thrown to been do, do good business. Why is it being characterized as anything else? Ron, has anyone uh, tried to pee pee on your head? And absolutely. I, absolutely. Now, for, first of all, you know, I get a couple of marketing ideas through my time. Theo, you need to make that a shirt, and I'll be the first one to buy it. Let me just put right, that same. on public record. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think a lot of things that, that Theo said, Ronnie, you know, hit spot on. And um, I think it was good to hear it to hear it from the level of where he is in the business and correlating that to where I am. And then when talking even to others, you see that the similarities are the same no matter what spectrum of the wrestling business that you were at. And um, that has definitely happened to me. And, and I tell you, even now, when it, when you talk about negotiation and different things with certain companies, it's like, listen, just because we don't address something right off the bat does not mean that we are not, not acknowledging what we already know. We don't have to address everything right then. And I think what happens is because you don't address something as soon as you hear it, and they think, oh, let's just keep on doing it. You know, they don't know nothing. No, we do. We just just tallying it up. And right. and I think, you know, I, I, I try to challenge everyone, you know, when you feel that you are worth a certain worth and you're really honest with yourself. Now, black, white, brown, red, yellow. If you suck, you suck. Let's right. just say that. But however, if you are solid. And you are good. You are great. And you and there's a there's a track record of you working with certain caliber people and the same compliments are coming. It's not BS. It's not anyone blowing any smoke. Take that and know what your worth is and stick to what you feel your price connected to your worth is. And I think a lot of times what happens is we get it from, you know, our our white counterparts of, you know, Oh, that you know, that's a great guy. You know, he's re- he's real serious about this business. I want to do something with it. But however, if you look at the track record of it, when people of color predominantly address something and can't address it the same exact way, rather they say it to your face, or you hear it nine times out of ten through another through another source, right. that's a problem. That's yeah. a problem, child. Oh, you know, now you're you're the person with an attitude. You're the person that can't work well with others. All because you are not wanting equality, you're just wanting equity. And I think a lot of times what happens is it can intimidate you um, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're not careful because you don't want to be the problem child. So you want to downgrade yourself so that people are not seeing you as an intimidation factor and really no, you're eye to eye, if not a little bit further, but because you don't want to be known as the problem child. Now you're willing to drop to a certain level, take a certain pay. That's not even helping you break even. Also people don't talk about you or just like you said, Ronnie, where you're seeing people that, you know, booking rate by itself is higher than yours and they're getting trans and they're getting hotel and sometimes they're getting food on top of that per diem right (laughs) yes i've never seen a united states per diem i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) okay overseas they're throwing it at you you know (laughs) yeah but you 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 see it so I, so I think you know what you said Ronnie what what you said Theo it's is spot on and it's something that we've been seeing for years you know I do see in certain standpoints that uh, it has got better but that honestly goes by company by company and organization by organization basis and a lot of times what I try to tell my brothers and and, and my sisters and uh, this goes for our for our whole unit with Shane Taylor Promotions is listen 
If you are a leader, stick to your grounds. Don't worry about everything else. You sticking and being true to yourself has way more worth than you just, you know, bowing down and saying, yes, master, I'll take whatever you have. Thank you, sir. More chitlins, please. That's true. Stick, stick, <laughs> stick to being the king. Stick to being the queen. Stick to your grounds. And if it's right, speak out on that and stand your ground and, not, and understand that it's going to pay off in the long run for you. Yes. Absolutely. But you remember how I said we have to acknowledge if we have privilege? Yeah, we yes. listen. We also have to acknowledge that not everyone is in a place to do that. That's true. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole yeah. nother session. But yes. it, it's very important <laughs> to acknowledge that, like me, I'm single, I have cats. I can speak up, but right. a person who has a wife, I'm, I'll say, like, I mean, I have to say a man, a person who has mm-hmm. a spouse, children, right. a mortgage. They're not, they don't have that flexibility to speak up because their damages are real. Yeah. For me, I'm like, well, shit, I'll sleep on somebody's couch and my cat can come with me. But the person <laughs> with three kids and a spouse and a mortgage can't run that's that risk. Yeah. So that's, that's another, another layer of it that doesn't get talked about enough. I do think that that also is a layer that should just be skimmed off the top for everyone because no one should feel fear for speaking out against something that has been done to them that's wrong, that's unfair, that's unreasonable. You know, we call it professional wrestling. So if you would like me to come to your location, I expect you to pay for me to get there. You know, when you pay for a plumber, you're not only paying for them to fix the plumbing, you're paying for them to get to you. You know, you're paying for their service to be of a convenience to you. And it seems sometimes when Black wrestlers speak out and want those same things and, and come out of the gate wanting those things because they see, you know, white counterparts receiving them. So why not? Um, it, it creates like a dissonance, you know, and it, it really, I don't know how you guys feel, but for me, it's like, yo, what is it about me? That's not enough for these people to respect me and to see that I'm worth this. I'm putting in the work and the time. And there's so many other wrestlers in the same position, but there's this layer of, you know, malarkey. (laughs) Rubbish. You know, yes. That keeps, um, a fear you know, within the wrestling community as a whole of you'll lose something, you'll be looked at as, as some type of way you'll be kicked out of, of wrestling. And, and, you know, and, and when we get to topic two, we'll talk about people who were spoken out against and still are wrestling. So it seems kind of, hmm, where's the, mm. Mm, what do we value there? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> So when it comes to negotiation, when you're trying to get booked at these places, especially somewhere new that you may not have a rapport with, or you've got somebody who's talked to the promoter for you, so you've got kind of an end to to present yourself to them, what has your experience been at a company that has seen your value as a Black wrestler? And what has your experience been at a company where they clearly don't? And Theo, I'll start with you. I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I've ever been valued as a Black wrestler. Um, A lot of times I have to wonder, am I a box that's being checked off? Or in my case, two boxes, Black and gay. So I'm like, I wonder like, oh, am I helping you meet a quota or something? And again, that's because I don't know if people have been bullshitting me. Because I expect a promoter to say, your match was good, you did what I asked, or it was, uh, you know, I wish you had done this differently. But when I always get the feedback of, I was really entertained, you did what I asked for, I'd love to work with you again, and then I get nothing but radio silence. It's like, oh, did you find another color to step in my box? And, you know, like, so as a Black wrestler, I don't know if I've ever been valued at all. Um, I also want to acknowledge I am, I'm only, July will be three years um, I've been wrestling. So I'm also going to acknowledge that I'm still very new. Um, Unlike a lot of 
people. I don't have a look. Um, I have a very good character. So if you don't see my work, then it doesn't, you don't get me. So I think that could be something else that I have. Maybe I don't have the look. So if my work isn't like, oh, here's Theo, like maybe you won't even give me a second chance. So it could be that. So there's there's other factors that I feel I could play into it, but I've honestly always just felt like I've been another body. What about you, Ron? Um, I would I would say the easiest way to to put this is you know I always went into it, especially you know after I hit over like that five year mark. Now just out hit over ten, but you had to learn how to naturally come in the door with a chip on your shoulder. And a lot of times that's the bare minimum that you had to do just to feel like you were getting a fair shake. Um, with, with a lot of, with a lot of companies that I, that I began working with, you know, there were, there were bare minimum issues, mainly dealing with the financial aspect of things. And even now, unfortunately, People just type your name in. They know you're worth right there. It, it ain't that hard. Right. But yet you still have people doing this, this push and pull. And right. if I'm feeling good, if it's a good day, if it's the Lord's day that day, you might you <laughs> might email me on a Sunday. I might say, okay, if it's my first time working with you, here's where I'm at. Can you hit it? If they can't hit it, how close can you get? And if you get me good, I'll say, well, do this this one time. But if you like what you see, which I know you will, full rate after that. This is just the only bone I'm throwing you. And then you right. tear the house down. But yeah. I, I feel, unfortunately, um, being a black entertainer, you have to come in with a chip on your shoulder. I think it was one thing that my parents told me, and it's, it's been a universal thing within, you know, within the black culture, whether it's your parents, aunt, uncle, grandmother, whoever it is, um, you have to work two times, three times, sometimes four times harder than the average white person to just make sure that you are getting your fair shake or at least where you should be. That's the real world. Yeah. Now the pro wrestling world (laughs) is magnetized. Right. (laughs) Even more. Yeah. Uh, So so my my thing is, I, I think, you know, it took me a little bit to, not go to go from being angry to then using that as a blessing because can I say what was me you know you know I gotta go out here and I gotta kill it and this and that and this and that can I complain mm-hmm. about it absolutely why you got Johnny boy main event over here and and he can't get nothing right he's trash <laughs> you don't know a headlock from a hammerlock yeah he don't know <laughs> a headlock like bro but 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 yet you're mm. like oh well we'll just give you this and we'll give you three minutes and then and then you know so so I, I begin to look at it like like this if if you come in with a chip on your shoulder you have no other way to go but plus one hundred if you're coming in one hundred and I think in the long run when you really look at that if you're coming in at that level every time you are naturally forced by your environment to be better even on your worst day you'll be better than three quarters of whatever said roster you were on. So I always, always looked at it in, in that mindset, but going back to your question, Ronnie, absolutely. You know, you do see a, a difference in that and you always have to adjust accordingly to it just to make sure that you're getting your fair share, especially as a black entertainer. Yes, I definitely, um, for me, I literally had to leave the country which I encourage all of us to do just to have that experience because despite maybe some of the cultural differences, yes, baby, that passport, okay. ready to go, yeah. let's go, yes. Um, despite maybe the cultural challenges, because I definitely had to educate a lot in Japan about you know things that were appropriate to say and not say, and please don't pull my hair and please don't rub my skin. It's not going to come off. I am. Yes. This is Brown within. This is, um, this is really me. <laughs> this is really right. I exist. Um, this is my this actual body. skin color. Yes. It's not from a can <laughs> or a machine. Because people, and where I was, the original dojo was in a place that was just old Japanese people. So they literally had never 
left Japan or seen a person of color. So their understanding of us was just what they saw on TV, which we know is not ever really characterized well. And so, you know, they see a person of color who just plopped in the middle of, of this country, but there was still, once they understood about professional wrestling, that was what elevated me. It was almost as if being a wrestler out of the country supersedes my blackness because it's so much more respected in a way. Whereas here, we I was going to say that country. I don't want to say negates your blackness, but, but they don't look at you as a black wrestler. Now yes. it's you're just a wrestler. Yes. Because you're speaking their language. Yes. Yeah. And it was, Honestly, I felt more myself overseas than here because I wasn't worried about being black. I just had to worry yeah, about. I've heard that so much. I've heard that from uh, Sahara, Renee, mm-hmm. Michelle. They were like when they were in Japan, it was just about wrestling. Like you know, those those are those are some, some YouTube girl, y'all some bad bitches. But over <laughs> there, it's like we don't care that you're pretty. We don't care that you got big tits, bitch. Can you wrestle? Yes. And it is a different dynamic because here the emphasis is so, especially as a woman, is so put on what do you look like? How pretty are you? What do your boobs look like? What does your butt look like? Can you do all the cute moves that look good for the camera? Are you okay with extensions? Right. Like, and I mean, (laughs) obviously. but. Well, let me not do that before they start talking about me online, but I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know. 27 or, or longer, baby. Okay. I need 27 or longer. <laughs> like, they weren't worried about that. No one paid attention to me until after my first match where I got the snot beat out of me and I got back up and gave it. And then they, and it was, okay. So you're not, you don't think you're just cute. You don't think you just deserve to be here. Like you really want to be here. You understand our art. And that's where the change came, you know, whereas here sometimes walking into locker rooms, it's like, no matter how much you love the art, you're Mm -hmm. still negating those racial layers and the political layers in the office. And are you, in my experience, guys, I'm extroverted two weeks out of the month. Okay, so <laughs> that's all I two got days two, for two, me. Two, two, two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> I give y'all a good two days. That's it. <laughs> Leave me alone. But back when I came in, a big part of networking was if you're going out drinking after shows. And so when you're trying to break in, that's how you broke in. Was if you came and helped set up the ring, and then watched the show helped out with the show. And then afterwards you followed everybody to wherever they were going and then you went and cut loose and whatever. But for me, I wasn't raised like to party in business. Mm -hmm. So it was always like a weird, like you were saying, Theo, I came in with the mindset of this is business. Like I want to be somebody and do something. So let's make that paper, you know, tell some stories. Let's be out here and do it. So have you guys like encountered those situations where it's been like, you know that this is what they want you to do, but you're just like, it's no. Do you mean match wise or just like in wrestling in general? Like in wrestling, booking. like if you're trying to go to a company and you kind of know, okay, I'm going to have to hang out with these people or go, you know what I mean? Like there's more than just, here's my resume and my qualifications sir or ma'am or whatever your pronouns are uh Mm -hmm. i would like a job please (laughs) (laughs) may i have some more please can i have some more (laughs) have you guys like been in a situation where you kind of read it and it's like man uh, ron i'll throw it to you yeah i I would say that that and honestly i will tell you that still happens today um and you know i i think now you don't really get it mainly from the people in the office, but when you can kind of read a room, then you, you, un, you understand. And um, it's one of those things to where a lot of these companies, you know, a lot of these companies don't want to do business business. They don't want to do business with businessmen, but they just want to do business with clicks. And the thing mm-hmm. is like, listen, clicks don't pay the bills, bruh. Like, listen, I, I can, 
fist bump you and, and, and dap you up every day. But if we ain't talking business, no bills are getting paid. No family's getting fed. And, and you know, a lot of times, you know, they try to guilt trip you into it all. Well, you know, well, I guess he's too good. He's a superstar now. He does this. He does that. No, I'm just treating it like a business. You don't you don't see me if, I, if I'm going on a shoot job talking to my boss after like, hey, after this meeting, man, you know, we trying to. You know, we try to hit the club. Like, no, once I clock out, I clock out. When I clock in, it's business. That's that. And you can get the best business during that time of me working. And so so I, I think that that is something that still happens even now. But, you know, even to one of the things that, like, Phil was was about to say, just even in regards of, um, you know, matches and certain things like that, even if you want to go a little bit more focused within that, it's one of those things that even happen you know, within that, where you get put into a little bit of a box and you, you know, and you have to look at it at, at that way. But I still even say, like, even right now, when you go to what you're looking at in regards of reading the layout of the room, reading the layout of the people, it still happens today. And the fact is, you know, do do you go about it? Because I think, you know, the thing is, it's almost on like a per situation basis sometimes you know companies are solid they but they you know they want more of like that locker room turns into family and then you know maybe go out after but then you have those companies that it's just a good brother good sister click type thing that's right. a whole different that's a whole different atmosphere if we treat it like a family and there's respect there excuse me and there's respect there yeah sure i might grab a bite here if i ain't got to hop on a flight or drive and do something long double book or something cool if we treating at that level not understand that there's respect there but as soon as we start getting into this click type thing where you can clearly see it visible even in the locker room then that's when i don't associate with it at all because we're not doing good business at that time it's about a popularity contest and if you about that keep your people there i'm going where the business going and people respect that in the long run rather it's to your face or not they do respect that in the long run regardless if you're your enemy or your best friend that's true what about you theo um i was gonna say um this was i want to say fall of 2020 <clears throat> like after the whole speaking out thing came we had like a big meeting big meeting. It was our locker room plus a few other locker rooms from New York. You know, we were all at the dojo and we all, they were like, you know, it was like a back and forth thing. <clears throat> and when I gave my piece and I said, you know, the big thing that I noticed here is people don't know what professional means. I said, I love you guys. I was like, but a none of y'all niggas my friends. I said, and I, I'm like, and I said, I don't mean that offensively. What I mean right. is, I'm a professional wrestler. This is my job. Even though I love to do it, and it's like my heart and soul, I breathe it. It's still my job. I didn't come here to be friends with anyone. I didn't come here to be friends. I didn't come here to find somebody to smash tomorrow. Right. I came yeah. here to live my dream and do what I love. So I come to training, and when I'm done with training, I take my black ass home. Because I'm not here for any of that. Yeah. And I think that's could be because we're all, I think, in our 30s, right? Yeah. So I think that's just us in our age and our wisdom, knowing there's just certain things you don't mix. Now, if it becomes organic, and I said this too, I said, now, if it's organic, that's different. Like you and I, Ronnie, just organic. <laughs> it just happened. Like shit yes. like that, you can't help. Yeah. But I'm not walking in there like, oh my God, can you be my friend, please? Like, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> please, sir, may I have some friendship? <laughs> right, right. Like, no, I'm not here for that. If, if it happens, great. And I think what Ron was saying about the clicks, when you see that, and I see it all the time, ugh, I'm like, and, and it's, it's normally, like, and it's normally not us. No, I'm gonna just say that. Yeah. Um, but on the booking side of things, um, I haven't had any issues to where I was like, what? The fuck, what do you want me to do? 
Um, and I think because I look at the business from a perspective that I wish other people would look at it, specifically WWE, part of it is entertainment. We're entertaining you. We're actors. We right. are no different. Like if you're watching USA at 8.30, we're no different than you turn into, I'm about to say UPN and show my age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the <partners. laughs> uh, Right. Come on, girlfriends of one-on-one. <laughs> but it's no right, different. <laughs> right? Come on, spirit. But it's no different than you turning to any other channel and you seeing those characters be portrayed by live people. It's just our method of entertainment goes beyond sitting in front of a camera or walking past a green screen. We're doing live entertainment through athleticism. Yeah. So I look at it as like, I'm an entertainer. This is the role they're asking me to play. And I get paid for it. Like, you think people want to play drug addicts and prostitutes in movies? But they're like, no, let me show them that I can rock this shit. And I can show them just how talented I am. Same thing with us. I do think But don't ask me to play no goddamn Twinkle Toe Fairy. Because I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, you can call somebody else who that is actually authentic to them. Mm-hmm. And let them portray that versus me pretending to be something that I'm not and becoming a caricature of a certain culture or a certain uh, minority group, so to speak. But like, that's the only time I would have an issue with something. But I yeah. haven't been put in those positions. So I distinctly remember a place that I will never wrestle for again where it was if you didn't go to the promoter's house afterwards and engage in all of his revelry oh, there we go Ooh, yeah. oh, not not mula okay. okay um you were not considered a part of the family um Guys, I'm just going to say the memoir will have more details. Let me just, there was a very well-known wrestler who was always coming there and he was all about the revelry, right? And he was the champion and was always at the top. And then the moment that he got into hot water and had to stop doing that, big old stanky boot. And this is like a name. You know what I mean? Like he'd been to Japan. We got, listen, we got each other's number, girl. we'll talk off record because it was just Mm. and i'm not listen i got a sink full of dishes right now okay guys so i'm just gonna put that out there but the amount of fleas that were on me at this promoter's house Mm. okay unacceptable because Mm. there were no pets in the house guys so where did they migrate in? Was mm-hmm. like, how, what was the situation with the nature being in the carpet? Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know. I but it. it was, it was such a. People understood it and were dying to come to this promoter's house and like hang out and listen to his stories and do all the accoutrement, if you will, and it was. <sighs> This is why I don't go to people's house, child. Listen, like you want to come over? Uh, no, because if I come over in your house, it's nasty. I'm leaving, and I can't look at you the same, you know. And I am too. I can't be up all night. You know what I'm saying? What's What's on the wall? What's on the floor? (laughs) What's fighting me? Like I can't. And that's how. Why 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 my ankle itching? (laughs) Ron, I was. Ooh, is that a stain on the couch? Okay, I was wearing toilet dirty. It, oh, don't! I didn't go in the bathroom. You couldn't go in the bathroom. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was something furry oh, oh. growing behind the toilet. I don't know how it grew behind it. Anyway, we're getting off track. But <laughs> it was. <laughs> I had to wear Japanese anime girl knee socks to protect myself from the fleas, people. Okay, it was a nightmare. But this man would not book you, especially if you were a woman. 
if you did not come to his house at least twice. And it was understood. And it was just a normal thing that people did. And people are getting blitzed and just falling out and passing out and missing their bookings for the next day. And, you know, leaving late and getting phone calls from family. Like, where are you? You know, like you're supposed to be on the road. And I'm like, is that worth us going and doing our job just to hang out with someone who clearly is just very lonely? Like, I don't. (laughs) Girl, you know, I can't be fake. Right. It listen like the Lord like, won't let me do it. <laughs> I, maybe that's why I'm not signed. Listen, all one day, <laughs> and and keep in mind, I heard something that Kev on stage said. I don't know if y'all know him, but oh, that's my yes. boy. I love Kev on stage. <laughs> that's my boy. Yes, but he said that sometimes what you want, the place hasn't been made for you yet. And I, that resonated with me because I was like, I feel like that is very true, that as wrestling continues to change and more and more places are coming, that there is going to be a place for wrestlers of color to have a home in a sense and create a network of opportunity, not just for wrestling. If you want to learn ring announcing, why not learn how to do producing? You know, if you Mm want to do meal prep, why not learn how to do some dietitian stuff. Like we're able to, especially we as black people, we always find a way to make it more and to advance and to bring community into it. And I feel like I'm very optimistic about that guys. So yes. yes. So leaving the office, we are going to the game room. Okay. Are you guys ready? We're going to play. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Can I share something with you guys really quick? Um, There's a term that I think in wrestling, well, in life, but it applies so much in wrestling and it's unconscious bias. And what for the people watching who don't understand what unconscious bias is, unconscious bias means like when it comes to us being black and trying to get booked, like a white person can reach out to you and say, hey, I train here. Um, I love to work one of your shows. Okay, cool. You know, send one of your matches over. But a black person says, hey, I, I love to get booked on one of your shows. Okay, where do you train out of? Who's your vet? Can you send over five matches? Can you also send over some references? And they may think like, oh, I'm a promoter. I'm just doing what I need to do to vet this talent. But they don't realize that they're making all the Black talent go through certain hoops and certain obstacles that others don't go to. And the big example that I want to bring to people's attention is, I hate to say it, but the E. Look at Big E. Look at Kofi Kingston. That's unconscious bias because they weren't given that opportunity because they earned it or deserved it. Kofi got it because if they didn't put it on him, then it's going to be like, all right, y'all niggas really are racist. (laughs) Then with Big E, there were no other options. So it was like, might as well put it on him. And with the women, they talk about you know, Jazz's career and like we try to bring up how black women haven't been respected and they're like, oh, well, Jackie was the first this and the Cruiserweight champion and Jazz was this. I'm like, okay, why did Jackie get those accolades? It was because, listen, girl, we ain't doing that. I didn't say anything. We ain't gonna do that. I don't know. What do you, I didn't. We ain't gonna do that. We ain't gonna do that. I, I haven't point, done that, a, which that's why another, I don't have a contract. Listen, but uh. <laughs> that's a, listen, that's why I'm not signed to a lot of places, child, because my body Honey. is still whole. Honey, if I could, if if it would do it, you know what I'm saying? I'd have the book. I mean, let's just let's just call it. I'd have the Okay. But so. the the point I was making was the reason why Jackie got those accolades was so it would put Sable over. And when Sable won, it would be credible because she beat the toughest, uh, pound for pound, toughest woman on the roster. 
The reason why Jazz got those accolades is so when Trish Stratus beat her, Trish Stratus would look legitimate. So it wasn't about elevating the black women. It was about elevating the white woman through the black woman. So that's the unconscious bias that I speak of because they think, oh, like Jazz is the first woman to, first black woman to go into WrestleMania with the women's title and defend it and walk out with the women's title. That's true, but Jazz's whole title reign was about Trish Stratus. It wasn't about Jazz. Right. Same with the black people. It was about, all right, let's keep this belt on Kofi until. We we find something. He never got a rematch. Right. Big E never got a rematch. Drew Big Ass got three matches in a row, child. Yes. I'm... So, sorry for the rant, but no, that's the unconscious bias that exists <laughs> in this business. So when people try to throw the few black names that have made it to the top, and it was like, through who or right. who was the end goal? They right. were just the big stop, but it was a white person at the end of the finish line. Yes. Ron, I see you wanted to jump in. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick, but first of all, uh, Bishop Apostle, uh, Prophet Theo, we're going to raise an offering for you on tonight. Pass the plate. Uh, <laughs> pass Wait, hold on. Let me, let me sit in my chair. Let me sit in my right. chair. We're going to pass the plate. <laughs> You've been talking very expeditiously. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so sorry. What, I told y'all I got time today. Right. Spreading the good tea. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got the good And stuff. the good yeah. words. In the good way. Yeah. One one thing one thing that Theo said that, that I think really resonate, and not only, you know, at the at the, the highest tier per se, one of the highest tiers, um, but pro wrestling as a whole, when I had this conversation with my brothers. Um, what I begin to realize is that there's a trend and, and what Theo is saying is correct. And what I begin to realize, not only personally with myself, but with others. And I know that we can all correlate to this. I know Ronnie, you can more like correlate this a lot of times is when you look back at your career or some of these opportunities, what you begin to realize is being a black wrestler. You will have so many times that you are good enough to be put in the big picture, but not be the big picture. You're you're good enough to, to be in the main event. Yes, thank you so much. But how many different title matches are you going to give and just have me lose just to make your person look good when it feels like you have to be the next Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the next Stone Cold Steve Austin, the next this, the next that. You got to climb, 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 And then three, four years later, when you've been at the same company for three to four years, then you then you finally win something big there. Right. But however... When there's no other options. When there when there's no other options. When When once again, you get to that point to where you're wrestling with a chip on your shoulder. You learn how to do it to where you're undeniable. Now it looks stupid if they don't because everyone everyone else sees it that they have to force their hand. And what a lot of people don't understand, even when you go back to the history of Black Wall Street, when we come together in unification, there is power behind that. And when your color don't speak, guess what color does speak? Green. And when Green speaks, then they move. And I would say this, and listen, I don't I don't care, Vincent, if you see this, Vinny K, I don't care. But when you even look at it, check this out. When you've seen how all this has been happening, how black wrestling draws went viral, uh, Kofi and them doing their thing went viral. A lot of these moves did not happen until during or after the protests of George Floyd. Why? Because there's a reason. Because they understand that now, okay, we have people over here that see this and regulate with this. Why did it take us this long to now all of a sudden see, we see indie shows when 
God forbid, this is Tyler Hayes. Now they're doing, I forgot what the reunion is, but you see indie shows doing things that warp tour. What is warp tour? A predominantly white music group. Now all of a sudden you see WWE doing a partnership with Rolling Loud. You see Vince McMahon at a Dave Chappelle concert. Because no matter what company you are, when your color don't speak, green speaks. So if you keep being you, and once again, backtrack what I said before, acknowledge what your worth is, the fans acknowledge that, and no matter what's happening in the office, the fans are always the boss. You just keep doing you, keep showing up, mm-hmm. keep doing what, what, what you have been called in this business to do, and green always speaks. And, and a, lot, a lot of times, they'll roll with green. They might not want to, but it forces their hand to. But that's what it is for us. As the coloreds, yeah. If mm-hmm. when we decide, oh, I'm gonna speak up in this meeting, when it comes to a white person, it's like, oh, what are their qualities? We know what are their qualities of a good wrestler. Okay, yeah, let's give them an opportunity. But when it's a Negro that speaks up, it's okay, so what are the income projections on that? You know, what are what are the sales <laughs> that you Brass. that you project right. for merch? <laughs> Slide deck. <laughs> yeah. And this was something I really wanted to add because, Ron, you hit on this. Um, like, you keep putting them in opportunities, putting them in opportunities. Anyone who don't know me, I'm a stand for women. So y'all can talk about the man's all want, all y'all want. <laughs> I'm a historian when it comes to the women. I, I'm going to bring y'all back to 2013. Oof. Naomi, Naomi was practically the GOAT at that time. Poised. To find a match that may... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said poised. Go ahead, baby. I'm sorry. I said she was poised. Yes. Uh, 2012, 2013, Naomi? 2011? Actually, before she turned heel. So what was it? 12, 13, and 14? Yes. Like, but even before that, it looked... They were building, it looked like, to something. They were giving her more time. It became more... Like, it was almost like her black girl magic was able to be born and she right. hit a lick every time for but four she barely years. ever lost if yes. you look at it to try to find a match in like 2013 or 2014 that Naomi lost you're gonna find like two or three because she kept she was always winning always winning I'm gonna ask you a question how many divas championship matches did Naomi get I'll wait and we will continue but but Lil Paige is going to pull up and get a title shot and win in her first match. Naomi pinned AJ the Divas champion at least four times. Never got a title Never. shot. Not a shot in Natty, sight. yeah, Natty may have, you know, her, Natty and AJ traded victories back and forth. Natty got at least two, three title matches. Brie Bella got two title matches on pay-per-view. Paige kept getting title matches on pay-per-view. Naomi didn't get a single one. So, like, I wanted to bring that up so people really get the picture of why why is it that this Black woman who's hitting all the marks, and obviously she's doing something right because y'all keep having her go over every week, why isn't she being put in that position that you have no problem Putting a white girl in, regardless yeah. of her level of experience. Oh, we and we've seen it because we've seen the injuries. And we've do we want to go down the list, child? Like, Listen. don't don't get me started. On, now, I love Ashley, but <clears throat> next topic, I, child. Because like I said, right. I <laughs> <laughs> well, you did hit on something earlier that I do think we would just transition into. Which was last summer, we all witnessed a, a few weeks of catharsis within the wrestling community. Um, and that was hashtag as speaking out, uh, which piggybacks somewhat off of, I guess, times up in you know the broader entertainment community. Um, and there were a lot of people who came forward and they spoke about things that had happened to them. Um, you know, a lot of experiences were very grave and traumatic and highlighted some terrible things that went on in the community. 
Um, and then there were some experiences that just seemed like maybe a bad date or a poorly chosen relationship or maybe not acknowledging the circumstances as they were, but only as you wish they were. Um, and again, it was a very mixed bag of, of scenarios that came out during that time. And we don't in any way want to invalidate the experiences of people who you know, were victims and experienced abuse, because that's not, in my opinion, what wrestling's about. And that should never come into the sharing and the teaching and the growing of our business. Um, but then you had a smaller movement that came out that was talking about racism in wrestling. And the juxtaposition between the two, between what got more quote unquote airtime in social media, what had a longer span of focus mm-hmm. versus what did it. You know, uh, I think we all know what happened, but it was just very um, a stark contrast to see that yeah. so much focus was given to speaking out. But when there were wrestlers who were, you know, hashtag promoter so racist, black wrestlers matter, you know, bringing these things within the black wrestling experience to the forefront, it was literally met with, oh, well, you know, The Rock was a champion. Booker T, Kofi, Kofi. That's it. So- <laughs> but you see how it's like, wait, one, two. Oh, there were three. There were three of you guys. Yeah. Yes. So without, <laughs> you know, diving too deep into the speaking out situation, what, how, how did that play out for y'all in real time? Like while that was going on? Because it was like speaking out happened. And then right after that, you know, the whole, hey guys, racism is an issue too thing happened. So how did that play out? For you it guys. sucks for me because there was a very big speaking out story that was happening um, with someone who's currently signed at the E. I'll, I'll tell you about that later, chat. But I knew the real story because I was there when the speaker outer got served. So I was actually there. And I'm like, you really gonna sit up here and lie on that man like that? But I ain't dying on no hill from no white man. So I was like, let me mind my business. He got money, he can take care of that. But what bothered me about the, the movement is there's a huge difference of me telling someone no and they're continuing to do God knows whatever it is they're doing. There's a huge difference from that versus me continuing to stay in a relationship with someone who ain't shit. And I'm sorry. A lot of these white people get on my nerves because I'm like, are y'all some bitches or y'all some grown folk? Because if somebody's treating you not in a good way, you get your ass up and you walk the fuck out. Like, once you decide to sit there and accept that treatment, you're responsible. But we're not, again, for the people who may want to pick and choose, we're not talking about people whose lives were threatened, their safety was threatened. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the people who are like, oh, he was cheating on me. He was talking about my family would never talk to me again. And I'm like, okay, but bitch, you stayed. You could have made a couple phone calls. You could have prayed. If you do some crystals, you could have did that. Whatever whatever your thing is, you could have taken the steps to better yourself. So that's not the same as a woman or a man, a non-binary person who was violated against their will. Right. Like those are two very different things and people were trying to blend that. Yeah, and conflict, and it, it, and it kind of it kind of muddied the movement because then it got to a point where people stopped caring because there were so many of these bullshit people trying to get attention that they took the focus off of the real survivors. Yeah, and that's what bothered me that 
people, grown people, still don't know the difference between, you know, no means no, I was violated versus I allowed myself to stay in a situation that I knew I should have walked away from. Right. Yeah. Ron, what about you? Did you see any, like, I know Theo covered a lot of the the breakdown of speaking out, but what did you see in terms of like speaking out versus, you know, when we spoke up about the things that were going on? I would say, you know, it was definitely in juxtaposition and, and, you know, from, from my own personal, you know, from where I was at prior and had someone that was relatively close to that, that particular situation. That was before I even got to that location and I, and I, I was blown away. I'm like, yo, um, but I would say the big thing that stuck out for me is you had so many supporters from the outside that weren't directly connected with the speaking out movement coming to support the issue and coming to support the victims, which I believe is important if you are uh, a legit victim. On the contrary of that, We've had so there were so many supporters that came in general for the overall wrestling speaking out movement that certain wrestlers began to understand the power that was behind having the number of supporters. And they started using the speaking out movement as a business move to elevate their career. And even now there are wrestlers that are capitalizing off of the ignorance of supporters that don't know the difference between a victim and someone that's trying to use the system of the speaking out movement to grow their own business. And, and, and that's unfortunate because you just like Theo said, you have real victims and you have those that are just looking to capitalize. But the reason that you have people wanting to capitalize is because there was a strong support system. Now let's look at the speaking up on this racism. You don't really see the support. What you see is people thinking, oh, well, here go, here, here goes the black people again. Always thinking like, you know, you know, always thinking like they deserve something. This called just put in the work and you'll get where you need. You don't see the same sincerity. You don't see the same heart. You see some of the same people that have been supporters for the speaking out movement now be antagonizers for the speaking up movement. Yes. Or and, be silent. Or or, or, be, or silent. be silent. And and mm-hmm. my whole my whole thing is this. And this would this was even back when I was younger in school, you know, you deal with bullies and stuff like that. If you are silent, then you are just as guilty. And what I think is a lot of people either you 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 would understand when people outside of, you know, people of color were really supporters because these will be the people that not only would DM you, but will try to put together things publicly. But if you're just DMing me, but yet when you see me getting attacked publicly and I see you see it and you don't respond and come to my aid in a public matter, then you are just as guilty. On the contrary, there are the people that were hashing out so much, not because they might have not believed it, but because they have a guilt of their own that they've seen the same stuff that people are talking up against and now they don't, they, if, if they combat it, then that means that they can push it aside and say, that ain't really happening. Yep. But just because it's not happening to you, to doesn't you. mean that it's not happening. Right. So, so I, I think that that's what I've seen, a, a, a complete change to where you have seen those in the speaking out movement be supporters. And some of those very same people, when it comes to speaking up, they they combat it and they say yeah. this didn't happen that didn't happen you know what join the club you know it's been like this it's been like that yada 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 we've had that even currently on the national tv level oh yeah yes <laughs> like so would you guys agree that that's a perfect example of like unconscious bias oh like why is it that when so, we yeah. speak up now it's like oh wait hold on but if a white girl speaks up, it's like, oh my god! But when yeah. we speak up, it's like, are you sure? What, what Did that happen? Right. I, are I are you sure? You know that wasn't taken out of context. 
So I'm like, I, I, I feel I have, like I have seen black. people. <laughs> oh, sorry, that is. No, I, I, I've seen I've seen people gain bigger opportunities and jobs at the national level due to the uh, rise of their career because of the speaking out movement. And within that same realm, I have seen people's jobs at the higher level decrease because of the speaking up movement. Yes. To, you know, speaking out. Look at, look at La Rosa Negra when she spoke up against Tessa. You literally had respectable female wrestlers who were white coming out to defend her. Uh, Allison Kay said, no, she is racist. She did call her the N-word. I saw it. Chelsea Green came out and validated it. And there were like at least two other big name white female wrestlers that were like, no, I saw this. But they were still like, are you sure? And then it's like, wow. Because this is a, a, a dark-skinned Latina woman that spoke up. Something has to be off. And then when white women are defending her, oh, well, they must have an issue with Tessa. Why can't they be telling the fucking truth? But if we question a white woman who speaks out, it's like, oh, my God, how dare you blame the victim? And it's like, come, what are we doing here? I... I saw I'm, you get triggered, child. I was like, oh, I said something. <laughs> listen, uh, I have my own expan- experience with Miss Blanchard. I wish her nothing but the best. But I will say that she has done her fair share of harm in the wrestling community. And we as women, I take that especially hard because we have such a challenging road regardless of if we're black or white, we all face the same misogyny and patriarchy and it's hard and they won't take us seriously. And we've just within the past eight to 10 years gotten some sort of semblance of being put on equal playing field. Now we're going for equity and to have experiences where people don't value that it is challenging. Um, I will say it does bother me because in that circumstance, when it happened in Japan, Rosa was moved to a different company. Tessa was not. Mm. But Rosa Ow. was the victim. Ow. Right. So I definitely hope that people watching will take and understand that we all live with some sort of bias, especially if you were educated in America. We all live with some sort of bias. But when it comes to seeing through those racial lenses, especially, we have to be aware to root out those blind spots and to make sure that we understand it's not just to not be a bad person. It's to be anti-racist. It's to create a world where we genuinely can see each other on the inside for our humanity, for our value, for what we can bring to our global community and to our local communities, not just the skin and what we can get from each other. Um, And I hope that wrestling one day gets to that point as well, because the art itself is so beautiful and brutal and historic. You know, we're a part of one of the last living physical oral traditions that has touched every continent. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing that we do, you know, and, and we should be valuing that and each other a lot more and giving each other the chance to tell those stories that represent us. I mean, think about how many kids went crazy over Encanto because they saw people who look like them. You know, I still, I cry like a bitch when Miles jumps off and he's got his suit and, you know, he's like, can't stop me now. And, you know, he's he's like, <laughs> that because it's an Afro-Latina, like that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's my guy. I see him. So in wrestling, it should be the same. We should be able to see each other and see ourselves in these stories we create and this magic that we make in in the ring. Yes. So we are out of time, unfortunately. But I want to thank you, um, Ron and Theo, for being with me. Um, I'm going to let you guys uh, shout out your socials and where people can find you, any upcoming dates or anything that you have, and especially, you know, your merch sites. So, Ron, I'll throw it to you and then Theo. 
Absolutely. Well, first of all, Ronnie, thank you for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure. I believe I was a part of this last year and anytime that you need, I'm always about it. Uh, I really hope that this does continue to change the world. And I encourage anyone that is not of us to look at this one unbiased lens. This isn't about it's our way or nothing. This isn't about you're wrong, you're racist. It's about understanding the difference and seeing how you can be a part of this solution, how we can all come together just as Ronnie said, and make the sport of professional wrestling better. That's the main thing. But you guys can find me on all social media, the Rev Ron Hunt, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And yes, you already know it. TikTok about to hit 100K, y'all. So make sure y'all go to follow. We do some fun stuff over there. Pro Wrestling Tees. And I'm also just now getting started with the What a Maneuver. Going to be finding me there. Uh, the Rev Ron Hunt. We can find all the stuff there. Thank you so much, Ron. And Theo, where can we find you, baby? You guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter at the underscore Theo Ivory. I'm going to show y'all if you can see that. You see that there? Yeah. See that there? That's me. Um, if you're on Water Maneuver, you can just search Theo Ivory. You'll see my merch store. And I just want to leave you guys with this. Uh, every day is an opportunity to be better than you were yesterday. So in this business, Every day we should be trying to make it better than it was before. So if you're not learning something new every day, you're doing something wrong. Yes. And thank you thank for you. having me, Ronnie. Oh, I was a part you. of this last year too. So it means a lot <laughs> to, you know, be a part of this again and even share my stories from that time to now, because a lot changes in a year. It does, yes. And we aren't all having the same experiences. Even though we're all Black wrestlers, we're all having different things happen to us that kind of feed into a similar narrative. And I think it's important to show that, you know, from where we go from point A to point B and C as, as we go along. I know this is not the end of any of our careers. We all have a lot more to accomplish mm -hmm. and do and achieve, even in this COVID world. We're still out here making moves. So I'm very honored to have you both on. Thank you for engaging in these conversations. Sunday Sessions is meant to do just that, to educate and elevate so that we can understand each other and eventually cross that aisle into a better place because it's possible. And I know that wrestling may seem just like entertainment, but when you dive into it, it's so much more. We're telling true life stories. We're showing the battle of good and evil. We're really showing that triumph of what we try to do every single day when we're faced with adversity and how you yourself can be a superstar if you just dig deep enough. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us for Sunday Sessions. Rev Ron, the king of TTO Ivory, thank you for being with me. I am the Joshi Queen Supreme, Ronnie Big Bang Nicole. Thank you for watching Sunday Sessions. We will see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.